Hello. And welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I, Dina. The podcast where we go through the filmographies of underrated actresses through the years. We're currently on our Adina Menzel miniseries. And joining us for today's episode is Miss Chantel Sterling. Hi. Today we are covering Glee season one, but only the episodes that Adina Menzel appeared in. So thank God. I know. It's five <laughs> episodes in all. Uh, starting with episode 14, Hello. And basically where we're at when this begins is that the Glee Club has just won sectionals. Rachel Berry just sang uh, Don't Rain on My Parade for an auditorium of wrapped elderly people. And they think oh, that yeah. this is going to improve their reputations at school, but they just get slushies thrown in their faces right away. So what was, I know that we all watched this show. Well, Chantel and I watched it when it originally aired. Jake, I know that you watched it for the first time, like in college, right? Yes, yes. So I didn't watch Glee until after Cory Monte died. Um, I heard about it. It was very, everyone was very sad. And then I was like, you know what? I'll try and watch the show now. Um, Cause I always knew it was something that I probably would like. And that's why I, I didn't watch it. Cause I didn't want to be like, I wanted to be too cool for it. Cause it was so popular. So basically I started watching it when it had already gone off the deep end. Yes, after it became and, evil. Yeah, and no one watched it anymore. So then I watched the whole thing. So I noticed less of the famous um, downgrading quality that people talk about. I didn't notice that as much because I binged it all on Netflix. Um, and this show, let me say, I really do have a soft spot for Glee, but it doesn't age well uh, at all. Um, but it is. it was very important, I feel like. There's just something about it that makes you like... It's je ne sais quoi about it. I don't know. <laughs> what are your guys' Glee experiences? I was super into the show just because I've always been just super theatrical and I've always been in chorus, always been in theater. So like, obviously like Glee was like my show when it was in its prime. But then I don't, it's just something on their set happened. I don't know what happened on set. If it was something in the atmosphere, like whatever it was, but I just truly think that that show is somewhat cursed in a way, like so much bad luck. And yeah, just like you said before, like I just kind of, after Cory Monteith's like tragic death, I kind of just fell off and stopped paying attention because it was just a little, just a little eerie to watch. That's how I, I kind of feel about it. It is eerie, it is eerie, yeah. I'm getting eerier every year. Um, yeah, yeah. It's scary, for sure. What was it like for you to return specifically to the first season after so long? Because there is, I feel, a definite difference between like season one and season four, for example. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So going back to season one, it just like, that was like kind of a beautiful nostalgia for me. As like, as I was watching like that first episode, I was kind of like, oh, this is nice. And then... <clears throat> As I'm watching, like, I just remember, like, everything that has happened, like, past that since. And then it just kind of, it just got really sad and, like, really morbid. Just, like, watching all these super talented people work and be amazing on camera. And then I remember, I'm like, ah. Glee is just one of those shows that had so many good moments. It touched on a lot of good subjects, but it also had a lot of cringy moments and a lot of sensitive subjects that I think 
would not fly <laughs> in today's day and age. Like, I think that was the peak for television, you know, crossing that very thin line. I agree. I think there's so yeah. many things Glee pioneered that was so important, but I think that sometimes the way they did it was um, a little rough. Like we could talk, I maybe talk about this now just because it's not really Adina relevant, but like that scene when Kurt's dad is like defending him against the homophobia, like the homophobic hate crime of the right, century of of uh, um, Finn saying that the lamp was faggy and you know screaming at him which was great like and then he was like you would you say the r word would you say the n word and like i was like you know that's cool that they they put that out there even if it was kind of a cringy um in a cringy way i think that is such a glee scene because it's so like this is the moral of the story you know there's so many generalization like lines where kurt is like i'm not afraid to be who i am just right. very sort of cliche statements. All but of them I, say that. I yeah. do think, <laughs> and talking about like expressing themselves and the importance of expressing themselves, which- And I'm going to say, I yeah. hate Kurt. He's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> he is not the representation I wanted. Like well, he made me go further in the closet. Okay? The bedroom- He's so embarrassing. The bedroom that he designs <laughs> for him and Finn is ridiculous. <laughs> it is. Like it's it horrible. Is. I- forgot about that like I've seen the episode before but then watching it, I'm like what on earth like I've never rewatched such... these episodes and these then no it's ones. such a vibe the room is such a vibe <laughs> so and, horrible. and the homophobia <laughs> is such a vibe too like the bullies are just as cliche that one the the, the bully that ends up being closeted mm-hmm. calls Finn fancy right He's like, oh, you think you're too fancy for us now that you're gay. Well, and Finn's the only one who <laughs> says faggy in that show. Like the bullies never say that. They're just like annoyed that That's where people they draw are dressing differently. Right. Yeah. They're like, um, we're gonna beat the shit out of you, but we're not gonna use any slurs. I actually watched the last season of Glee. If you guys are gonna watch it, like no I don't know if you care about spoilers, but um <laughs> I didn't mind the last season of Glee. Um that one bully who's gay ends up dating Blaine. I heard um, about that. It's really weird. Oh, yeah. And then Kurt, like, eventually the clan gets back to it. Also, it's weird to see it. Like, the first season had no... Santana barely speaks. Um, Blaine doesn't exist yet. It's very interesting from where it ends up as far as the characters go and who's more focused on, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I really wish there was more focus on Brittany. I just think she's the best character and she just first I I think she gets the best lines. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. They fit her so well and like we don't see enough of her. Like all I all I really remember is like her iconic um Britney episode. Oh, and her um she, like, her, like talk show she has with her cat. <laughs> oh yeah. Fondue that for too, two. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So if we want to I... Oh, go. Oh, no, I was just going to say the highlight of me um, just rewatching and reminiscing about Glee, Jonathan Groff. That's so it. Good. All I had to say. <laughs> so he well, that's Jonathan a perfect Groff. segue because that's like the first episode, right? That's the yes. first introduction of him mm-hmm. and Adina's characters on the show, um, which the 14th episode, right? That's the one we're starting with. Yeah. That was the, the one... first one after the initial 13 episode, like, order right that was like 
It was after it got renewed. Yes. Like those 13 episodes aired, everyone loved it. And then they're like, okay, let's make nine more. So basically, uh, Will and Emma are finally single at the same Mm. time. So they decide to go on a date. And I remember thinking that Emma was not that interesting when Glee was first on the air. But Jayma Mays is so good on this show playing her. She's so sweet. Adorable. It's an iconic performance. It's very underrated. And Will is possibly the worst man on earth. (laughs) Oh my God. I can barely watch him. I can barely watch him. (laughs) He's. (laughs) And it's so funny because I remember in high school, I was like, wow, I'm going to marry him. Oh my God. (laughs) I thought he was incredible. (laughs) And now I look back and I'm just like, oh my God. He's rapping. I cannot like, believe, like, if they so made that bad. show today, I don't think the choir director would be a straight white man. I just don't <laughs> think it's entertaining or good for anyone. I guess the only reason is because he's like convinces the jocks to join the Glee well, Club. Remember when they remade Glee in like 2017 and called it Rise? And then they cast Ted <laughs> from How I Met Your Mother as Mr. I, Schuster? Always. Nothing no. ever changes. So he. One line that I loved that Will says to Emma when they decide to go on a date, he goes, there's so many things that you don't know about me and I can't wait to show them all to you, which is the most narcissistic way to ask somebody on a date. Is this the one where they, where she's a virgin? I think or so. Or is that earlier? Yes, yeah, this is the, this is. is the one where she's a virgin. Because I did watch the first half of the season earlier before I watched this, so I forget which episode. Okay, so she's like, I never had sex because I... And I'm like 35 and I'm afraid of germs. Yeah. Um, and he's relatable. Germaphobe. And she doesn't blink. I noticed that she doesn't really blink much. That's true. And she has like these beautiful doe eyes, but it's just her. It's just like dead. Like, and I love her like tiny, very like, tiny mouth. And she kind of just talks with like, she's like, she's chewing like, oh my gosh. Like, what do I do? She's like, if a deer fucked a chipmunk. That was her direction. That was Ryan Murphy's. Like, that was her. That's how you know she has a BFA in acting. She's like the animal that my character represents is a deer that fucked a chipmunk. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's the deer. She is the deer, yeah, and the deer the who is recovering from fucking the chipmunk. Mm-hmm, because it hurt like the deer more than it hurt the chipmunk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so what else happens in this episode? Well, Jonathan Groff appears. He approaches Leah Michelle Mm -hmm. in the music store. And they sing together. It's like Jonathan Groff's introduction is so special to me because he delivers this whole monologue to her walking around the store. And probably every other sentence is a joke that is so funny. And it's so like interesting to see on an hour-long drama that it be that committed to maintaining a joke of a character. And I think that that's kind of why it struggles as a show because Ryan Murphy isn't a talented enough writer to like weave between drama and comedy as much as he wants to. Yeah, that's and all also, he does. And I also think that after a certain show after a certain point, Glee became a capitalist death cult. And that's probably why so many of the stars had mental breakdowns. Because, you mean like um, making money for the, like the pop or like. Because yeah. shooting an hour long show is already like 12 hour days. But if you add in right, singing right. and dancing to that, then it's like even it's worse. Lot. 
and, and the like that, full 22 episode seasons which they were yeah, still doing yeah and the fact that it became so focused on getting on the charts every single week and just shoehorning songs in like that's that why were, the like, storylines were the so bad because they yeah didn't... because they would like start shooting during like they would keep shooting during like they would start the season not having finished filming everything yeah like network tv does because they had to keep up to date with like the pop songs yeah i don't think this show needed to be an hour long like i feel like they could have like it's just too detailed especially like with what sam just said with all the singing and the movement like it's just a lot and the storylines just don't need, like, they don't warrant it either. They just, like, keep coming up with new things every episode that they don't need. I would say, and, like, a good yeah. half of the songs in every episode don't need to be there. Like, even at the end of no. this episode, Hello, the Glee Club sings Hello, Goodbye at the end, just because, like, the show's about a Glee Club and we have to have a performance at the end. Usually. You, here's my thing with it. I feel like they, I wish they committed more to a formula of songs because... In the first season, especially, like some episodes will have five musical numbers and some will have one. You know, I don't know. I wish they had like, you know, a group number, a solo number for someone different. Like first season, my issues with music, because while I do agree with you that it did become too focused on the charts, at least like there were songs I knew. The first season they were trying things out and like, I I don't know like almost any of the songs because it's all like 70s and 80s rock songs that like none of the kids would know. in real life. And I just wish that they would have like someone saying occasionally besides Leah Michelle. Yeah. Like I'm most great. of the first season is literally just Rachel and Finn. And Corey Monteith, he's great. He's a great actor, but I'm like, he is not like his voice isn't necessarily good enough for me to want him to have a solo song every other episode either. So I'm just wondering, I'm glad that they work on that later, but I'm just like the first season is very Rachel heavy. And yeah. it's a little grating after a while, especially considering we could have used more Leah Amber Michelle. Riley. Definitely more Amber Riley. I'm not a huge fan of Mercedes as a character, but that's not her fault. That's the way that they use her a lot of the time. And I feel like it's pretty bad. Season one, Mercedes, I think, was very good if underutilized yeah. the issue i think in the later seasons is that all of the characters become inflated to a certain extent so right and they're also mean eventually. yeah and the thing with the inflation of like rachel and finn's characters for example is that then they get those sympathetic moments randomly like near the end of an episode to be like oh they are humans and i don't know if uh amber riley i mean i don't know like I haven't seen enough of the show to know, but I could imagine that that wasn't a priority for the writers. Later on, she like oh, has this all. whole thing where she's like, doesn't want to lose her virginity to Sam. Her whole storyline just becomes about how she doesn't want to lose her virginity, which is, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like that's all I remember her doing. They pick such weird plot lines, like just plot lines that just don't make sense. And, and they, they don't go anywhere. I'm out of nowhere. Exactly. And they don't go anywhere. I don't like how the first season also focuses so much on all these adults. Like, I don't care. I mean, except for Will's wife is really, is pretty funny. Like her, ac- the actress who plays her is very like, yeah. has very good timing. 
but so pointless after a while. She has a pedophile moment in the funk episode, which the funk I was episode. Just about to say. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about she was the funk like, episode? Been. She's like, "How old are you?" He's like, "16," and I'm like, like wow. "And she's like, loud. Because when she's <laughs> finalizing her divorce with Will, she like whispers in his ear. She's like, "You're still that 16 year old boy to me." And then goes right. to her work at like the sexual misconduct factory, and they've just hired Puck and Finn, and she's just like eyeing mm. them and being like, "Ooh, 16 year old." boys and then finds out yeah. that Finn is in the glee club and that's what tanks it for her like well, that's Puck's the line she's is, like I will not yeah. date somebody in the fucking glee club Puck's whole thing earlier in the season is that he like sleeps with moms uh yeah. who he like does their which is like kind of maybe a Desperate Housewives reference um but yeah I think what's a fucked up thing that I'm glad they don't do anymore is that like when you cast a show about teenagers but you cast only 30 year olds they think it's like more okay to have like adult student relationships because the audience knows that the people are older who are playing them. But the morality of the characters yeah. is fucked up by that. So it's yeah, just because I think kind of age gross. appropriate casting is so important and it's like nobody does it. I think well, they're like, starting to do it, but like right. I think few years then, back, like they didn't care. I'm pretty sure Corey Monteith is like five years younger than Matthew Morrison, I read. Yeah. Like, he was, like, 32 when they started the show. Oh, my God. And then in the finale, Finn calls Will his father figure. Oh, I threw up. Oh, yeah. I wanted to kill <laughs> yeah. myself. Like, you're a father to me. Where's his line? My face was just, like... Saying. He's, like, you taught me how to be a man. And then in the Hello episode, he's talking to Finn about Quinn drama. And he's, like, ugh, baby mama drama sucks. It's, like... <laughs> okay, I love Quinn. Me talking to a 15-year-old. I honestly think Diana Agron is underrated too in this show. Like, I love her weird nasal yeah. voice. Her. She's so good. Like, I mean, yeah, she's the blonde cheerleader stereotype, but like, I kind of love her like friendship with Mercedes that like develops. And I feel like they completely drop that later on. Like, I don't even remember them interacting post season like one. 100%. But like, she lives with her, which, whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know. I love I love Diana Agron just like as a person mm -hmm. and as a performer too because I'm watching her and I'm like oh this girl has talent but then when she opens her mouth to sing I'm just like it's not bad but it's like <laughs> I like it but I'm I'm like I kind of wondering what the audition process was like for some of these people for like oh my God. a show about I watched, singing. I watched Diana Agron's <laughs> audition tape and it's the most underwhelming thing. She's singing like Fly Me to the Moon and just- I mean, she's completely gorgeous. Like I get it, but- And just oh, yeah. like, like shimmying in front of a blank wall. Um, okay, but <laughs> her first song in the show, in the series, which we didn't watch that episode, but the say a little prayer with her and Satana and Brittany is my favorite thing ever. That was great. When they're in the cheerleader and just like, say a little profile. That one's, that one's fun. And yeah. it's very I obviously not. I should watch not... their audition tapes. Yes. I'm very curious. Cause I want to yeah. know what was it that had the casting directors be like, that's, that's the one. That's... Didn't they all go on tour <laughs> and stuff? Started. Like they, they were did. like HSM, they were like High School Musical, the concert kind yeah. of. Yeah. They oh, were child that. laborers. Well, they were in their 30s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, Chris Colfer, yeah. I think, was like 19. When yeah, he, he was the youngest one, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I think Liam Michelle was like maybe 25. 
Oh my God. Leanna well, she'd been on Broadway for years. And like her and yeah. Jonathan Groff, this was like two year, two or three years after Spring Awakening. Well, and they, spoiler alert, they're endgame in the show. So. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember watching this as a teenager and riding hard for Jesse and Rachel, even though he is like so horrible to her. I think it actually predicted a lot of my future romantic entanglements. Yeah, on, totally. But, okay, so. Yeah, gave me a lot of unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. I think she was like 20. um, I was like, if a boy publicly humiliates you in front of your friends, that means he likes you. Actually, that's that's true. (laughs) She was like 24 at the time. Makes me feel bad because she's younger than me now. And I'm like, really? Yeah. The, The biggest like gag of the show is that anybody pretends that Rachel is ugly. Like... She's it's yeah. like Hollywood. It's that trope like Hollywood ugly. Like I know. It's like Leah Michelle <clears throat> sucks, but she's by far like the most beautiful person in the main cast. And Are you kidding? Diana. The way, the way the the way that everybody just like calls her yeast infection and stuff. I'm like, oh my god. Okay, actually, all the girls in the Glee Club are so stunning. They like are. there's no that's even Hollywood. though they keep making Jenna Ushkowitz like dress as a vampire and have a weird vampire storyline, <laughs> which I hated. They did not know what to do with her ever. Understand that. I was wondering like where that came from, or if that's just like her character, like her character's like persona feelings, or like that emo type. But like I don't know. I don't know anyone who dressed like a vampire. I mean, that's not true. (laughs) I I did, but (laughs) not like to that level. I went to. I feel like I was gonna say it was just a little extreme. (laughs) I feel like that kind of is true to high school because. Jenna Ushkowitz's character is like so just like nice and like shy but just generally like pleasant to anybody who ever crosses her and I feel like everybody who dressed like intimidating in that way in high school and all black and stuff if they were a girl you would walk up to them and be like hi and they'd be like oh my god hi they would always be so nice like the nicest people and then boys who dressed goth were like annoying yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goth boys are scary. They are. I'm scared of them. I wonder what they're um, doing now. So I had a thing it, for like some of them. In Adina's first uh appearance in this episode, she like meets Will. He approaches her at her practice to ask her if her student is only banging his student because she's trying to sabotage the glee club and she's like i would never do that and then at the end of the episode she's doing that love that yeah i love how they just single out rachel as like the star um which is so funny like everyone's like rachel's the star no one else can sing even though it's like actually she's just a bitch Exactly. Yeah. Actually, she's just the only that one who actually likes theater. That was my thing the whole time. I'm like, why Rachel? Like, why her? Like, it, like I just felt like, well, she was the main. I don't even know. Yeah, is she the main? Yeah, the main character. Yeah. yeah. But like, they're all main characters. So I'm just like, why not? Yeah, it's like Rachel here? and like Ben are like the student main characters, and then it's like Will and like Sue. It's so interesting how Will and Rachel are the main characters, but every other character on the show hates them. 
They're like really the Charlie Browns of Glee. I mean, they should hate them. Yeah. (laughs) They're the worst. The thing, at least with Rachel, it's that like the characters do hate her. And so that's believable. The thing with Will is that they don't hate him. And that's unbelievable. They think that he's a saint. And I was so mad at him for fucking, or like for making out with the Dean of Menzel right away. He has, he literally waited 13 episodes to be single, to hook up with Jayma Mays. And then he's just, I mean, yeah, Dean is pretty irresistible. Don't get me wrong. But like, you're going to break her heart like that? And then he didn't even tell her, did he? I mean, why would he? Because, well, no, because he and Emma hang out. He and Emma hangs hang out once. She says, I but I thought I've never had already. sex. Yeah, he makes out with Adina Menzel. And then the next day, Emma comes to his office and breaks up with him because she's smart. True. She's like, he, like good for her. Yeah, she's I like, you're that, she's like, you literally just got divorced yesterday. We can't date right now. I think they do end up together and they like get married, but then I think that she just like is written off the show. Cause that's her whole like storyline. And then she's on the, sh- like they're still married, but she just doesn't appear. Oh, I thought she made it to the end. Damn. She like Fair appears call. a couple of times here and there, I think, but she's not like, it's important. Yeah. That's so, because they, they realize the audience hates Will. So. The hello episode is relatively boring, but the episode after that, so after so after making out with Will, Adina Menzel goes away for five episodes and then comes back for Dream On, which is also the Neil Patrick Harris episode that I believe Joss Whedon directed. Horrible. Neil, horrible, Neil Patrick horrible, Harris horrible. really spent 10 years just playing Barney Stinson in different TV shows and movies, <laughs> and that's how he made his living for like a full decade. And then yep. he went away and fucked off and we never heard from him again. Yeah, thank God. Because like, I hate him. His episode was like his prime. I feel mm-hmm. he had his little appearance. Oh yeah, and during like, the middle of How I Met Your Mother, and yeah, I remember I one just... time. Oh uh, my God, he won an Emmy for this, you guys. He won an Emmy. I just looked it up. Yeah, he won a literal Emmy. Oh my God, for this episode, for that Neil episode? Patrick Harris for guest actor in a comedy. Who who up. could have ever thought? And you know that... who didn't win? Kristen Chenoweth. She was nominated, but she didn't win. Oh my god! That character oh, is amazing. God. Kristen Chenoweth is the reason this show kept going. I think. Yeah, the Kristen Chenoweth. Interesting. The Kristen Chenoweth vibe paved the way for Glee to appear in the first place. Literally, that vibe was well. That talk about more pedophilia jokes in that episode, but whatever. Oh my god! Well. I actually don't remember what happens in the episode. No, she just like, she goes back to school to join the Glee Club and she's like 40. And then she like fucks all the guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay when she does this. so fucking funny. (laughs) I completely forgot about that. Oh, Um, you know who she lost to though? Which is okay. I just looked up, she lost the Emmy to Molly Shannon for her two lines. The Betty White hosting SNL episode. Oh my god! Why <laughs> is that like even in the same category? Whatever. Um, <laughs> Everybody just needs to let Betty White die. Anyway, Sam, we're working her too hard. We are not. Sam, she's preserved. She's in a glass <laughs> case. 
The only thing she does is <laughs> trend every now anywhere. and then and people freak out that she died. Oh my God. She dies between us recording her and releasing. name pops up on my Twitter, I freak out and I do my research. And I'm just like, oh, she's okay. She like- better <laughs> die on April 1st. <laughs> like, she better. She knows she wants to. She's she- not this next one, but. Oh, you know how, did you guys know that Naya Rivera's body was recovered on the anniversary of Corey Monteith's death? Yes. If Betty White dies on that date, we're going to have to make it a government holiday. We're going to have to remove this episode from streaming. (laughs) That's actually super bizarre. I did not know that. Yeah, my roommate just told me about it like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, I remember that happening. Like I said, that show is cursed. It's It's truly cursed. And I just told you that. There was domestic abuse with um, oh my god that guy in the later seasons. Yeah, uh, Melissa Benoist, Benoist, who's on the show in like, oh, season four. Supergirl. Yeah, yes. Supergirl. I love her. Yeah. In between Hello and Dream On, Jesse transfers schools to McKinley so that he can join New Directions and lead yeah, them me to victory in Nationals. Yeah. But then like an episode later, he leaves and breaks up with Rachel and says, you know, I really did love you. But they had no fight and there was no <laughs> problems there was between the there. two of them I was very leading up to this. And he like this, smashes an egg on her head. He smashes an egg on her head specifically because she's vegan with all of vocal adrenaline. That watching. scene, that was camp. Yeah, and that was like she's like on the phone. Well, no, she's texting, and or did he call her? I'm not sure which one, but he was like, "Come outside," and she was so excited and so happy, and she's like running to him, like ready to like embrace, and, and then just all the vocal adrenaline starts egg. pelting her with eggs, and then he's about to break one over her head, and she goes, "Go ahead, break it like you broke my heart." <laughs> so weird yeah no one ever actually breaks up on this show like they just like they just like are broken up it's it's super weird um it is so strange it's like you can really tell i think that the the amazing thing about glee is that it premiered before we knew as a nation that we couldn't trust ryan murphy so when season one was good, we were like, oh, just imagine like what will come in season two and season three. And this might be one of the great like coming of age teen yeah. dramas of the 2010s. And you can see like the there is so much foreshadowing in season one of Ryan Murphy's inability to keep plot lines straight and to like time things and to arrange them in a convincing way because jesse breaks up with rachel for no reason like just to start drama and will pranks sue by like pulling this weird like carrie situation on her where he just starts sexually harassing her okay (laughs) jane lynch in that scene is so fucking funny like when her the look on her face as he's like seducing her she just looks so troubled and confused but she loves it it's so so troubling because at the moment that it comes over the course of the series will and sue have not had problems between each other for like weeks and then at the end of it he's like i wanted to hurt your feelings because of how terrible you've been to the glee club and it's like bitch when like Okay, that was before always. the hiatus. True, yeah. true. But no, the Madonna episode when she's like makes everyone uh 
Oh, listen to Madonna iconic. all day. How Will dare Schuster, she? I hate you. Um, <laughs> no, but I love it. She and then he like when she goes to um, he bread stands sticks. her up at Olive Garden. <laughs> Breadsticks. Yeah. Breadsticks. It's the breadsticks. <laughs> costume moment. I was. Yes. I don't know. If she always wears them, but the, the pearls. She, she puts them on the for the date, and she's just wearing her like. Like but she's like still in pearls. her uniform, which is so funny. It's like just the pearls. She really, she is really the best part, like of the show. Always, like Ryan she. Murphy oh, is, I agree. Ryan Murphy is obsessed with like presenting butch women as straight for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like Sue Sylvester is always trying to fuck men. Like she fucks Neil Patrick Harris in the Neil Patrick Harris episode. Well, he's gay too. And it's like in no universe. And then Coach Beast is always trying to (laughs) fuck Will. And it's like, no, she absolutely is not. Coach Beast ends up trans at the end. Oh my God. It's so weird. Oh oh yeah. Yeah. No one was watching it anymore. But Ryan Murphy's in the writer's room. He's like, you know what would be fun? <laughs> you know oh, this butch woman who has been made the butt of several appearance-based jokes over the past few years. God. Um, um okay, but we're going back to the Neil Patrick Harris thing. Okay. Um I hate him in general. Uh terrible. He's just so annoying and he's like not <sighs> whatever. Anyways. He I don't arrives. Know. That's to all cut, I wanted to say. <laughs> he arrives to cut. I had a love hate. Club love-hate relationship with his performance but I do understand why they picked Mr. Shu over him <laughs> for um what was the show they were doing Lame is oh Lame is yeah and they sang yeah. a fucking where is the song they sang dream dream on like, yeah for the this audition is, this, this is like, the okay. song. this is my favorite moment sense. of horrible writing on the show because Lame is is like a show with two male leads right and they're Will and Brian are obsessing over who's going to get the lead the entire time when they should just be cast as Jean Valjean and Javert because they already hate each other. But then they just don't. And you could have had a Lay Miz episode. Because Ryan Murphy was like, we actually cannot afford to have Neil Patrick Harris in multiple episodes, I guess. And instead of changing the musical to like a rock opera, maybe to justify the Aerosmith choice or something with one lead <laughs> role, they just keep it and have it make no sense. I mean, to be fair, literally, is like one of the only like community theater productions that exist in like Ohio, probably. Um. Yeah, but like <laughs> they're in Ohio. <laughs> um, it could have been like Oliver. True. True. Yeah. There's only it's one. Only, there's only one dude in Oliver. Yeah. Only one dude. Um, that episode, you already mentioned it, but the Molly Shannon uh, AA, she's in Glee Club AA or whatever. So like, how did, what, what that, was that I loved. How did she, like, why did they book her for that? I have no idea. Like, give her a, a starring <laughs> role. Are you kidding me? She has like a line. Whatever. Um, and then is that the same episode? That's the same episode with the iconic uh, reason they did not cast a uh, person in a wheelchair as Artie. Um, yes. the safe, so he could do a safety dance at a mall. Um, yeah, that bothers me so much. 
so much. It's like, you're going to cast an actor who is, my thing is like, if you're going to hire, make sure, like they should just be disabled if you're going to hire a disabled actor. That's just how I feel. But, and you know what I mean? Like, I just, like, I, I, I get where they were going, but at the same time, it's just, it's not fitting. And I just feel like, like he shouldn't even like have had that number of him. He shouldn't have had that storyline. That storyline. So... It's so offensive. Like, if he didn't have that yeah. number, like I probably still to this day would have been like, oh, like he's actually disabled. Like he can't walk. But like right. they reveal that. And I'm just like, well, that really sucks on. And that fucking clip that went, that goes viral every couple of years of like how crazy Glee is and like everyone remembers it. It's like they're doing like we found love at a pool and like Artie just like rolls into the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. I'm obsessed with the inherent ableism of Tina printing out a bunch of articles about how they <laughs> were able to do surgery on like rats to make them move like one toe out of a paralyzed foot. <laughs> and she's like, because of this, I know that you will be walking by next year. And then she takes him to the mall to buy fucking tap shoes. And she's like, we are going to do a tap dance together in the Glee Club. And then they rehearse that. And it's just her tap dancing around him while he rolls around. I'm like, rolls around. In what? Yes, on the bottom of his wheels. I'm like, why did you think that this would make him feel better? Tina is just mean. Watch me the dance and think about how you can't sense dance. Is how like I don't know why they wrote this in because like personally, like it just it was just uncomfortable to watch. Like when she when I think he was like, oh, he was asking her to help him stand up, and like right. <laughs> he falls. <laughs> Why would they write that in there? Do you guys remember like, the episode, be- the Christmas episode where Artie like walks with robot legs and then they never do it. They, they disappear after that. I feel like you specifically had me watch that once, but it was far after I stopped watching. It's a good Christmas episode. It's uh, Coach Beast dresses up as Santa and then Brittany believes in Santa still. And then Sue mm-hmm. No, Coach Beast orders these robot legs for Artie and then he like walks and then the episode ends and it's never mentioned again. <laughs> I uh, vaguely remember that, honestly. They have good Christmas episodes. I remember episodes, Brittany though. believing in Santa. That I do remember. Right. Yeah. And Sue is the Grinch <laughs> and stuff. Artie and um, Tina do have a really uh, sweet first kiss. They're like in front of a school bus, and then there's like light that shines through. Yeah. Oh, and they're they're like best friends shot. in real life. Yeah. What? They have yeah. a podcast. They have a Glee podcast. Yeah. Oh, Will Schuster brings Neil Patrick Harris to a bar and makes him sing "Piano Man" oh, as everybody watches and stab in me in the throat. There are so many scenes in this show of the Gleeks like singing really dramatically in public and everybody around Everyone them being grateful. Every- oh, and <laughs> even, the, even the regionals at the end. Uh, oh my God. As soon as they open their mouths to do Journey, <laughs> standing ovation. Goes, screaming on their feet. Like, no, and like no one cares that much the about Glee Show Choir. anthem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Glee anthem right there. I... I think that was my favorite episode to watch. I think it was the least cringy out of the previous the finale. ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, the journey episode for sure. 
I agree. And I, I just, mean, that has the really iconic love... moment with the, sorry, keep going. No, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I just really love watching. I like watching Adina on camera and I never get to watch her on camera now. Yeah. So I just think like, she's just so, she's not too much. And I can just see so much just like just in her eyes alone. It's just like, it's like I, perfect as opposed to the other adult characters where it's like I'm being attacked. That's <laughs> true. She's on. much more subtle, weirdly, yeah. than they are. Yeah. There's a scene of um yeah, in this episode, um Which one? The Neil Patrick Harris episode. Oh. Um Adina like forces Jonathan Groff to because okay so it turns out that it it, that him dating her is a scheme but not to fuck with new directions it's because Shelby knows Adina knows that Rachel is her daughter and she wants Jonathan Groff to get her to come find her because she's not legally allowed to (laughs) pursue her (laughs) and love it um so she makes Jonathan Groff like plant a cassette tape in Rachel's memory box. And he's like, wow, look at this. It says from mother to daughter. Why don't you play it? And then he forces Rachel to listen to it. And it opens with Adina being like, hi, baby girl. It's your mom. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this says it all. And then she sings I Dreamed a Dream. Oh, my God. And then they sing it together. It's a fantasy, fantasy. sequence. Oh. And Love Leah that. Michelle is like face acting so intensely. And Idina Menzel, Shanzel, you are so much nicer than me because I wrote that she was trying so hard through the Botox to match Leah <gasps> Michelle's face acting. Are you kidding me? Idina has no Botox. She, she was giving never... me major Botox energy during I That's not her natural bone structure. I swear it is. I mean, I don't, yeah. it just, she just looked like she had both to me. I don't have any evidence. I don't. I do uh, think I she think does she look different in this show very than she does. High cheekbones. I think she looks different in this show than she does in a lot I of things. I think I can't put my finger on it. I think maybe like, she just straightened her hair. If you're famous and you reach a certain age, I think that you're stupid not to get Botox. I mean, not That's stupid, fair. but like, you know, you know, if you ever right. think that a celebrity, York. I don't think there's any such thing as celebrities aging well. I think that it's just Botox. <laughs> yeah. Or like very expensive skincare regimens. I come um, with a lot of like white celebrities that I think age perfectly and they don't have Botox. But Adina, I just feel like makeup team did a really good job. I just feel like it was just like contouring and maybe yeah. just like some slight like lip plumping maybe to match Leah Michelle and make it yeah. look like they're actually mother and daughter. I mean, let's be honest. They are like kind of like for a while Leah Michelle was like the heir to Adina's throne yes um, of Broadway and everybody Broadway was obsessed adjacent things. with her playing mm-hmm. Elphaba in the Wicked movie which which I've, thank god never happened they keep saying that it's about to happen it's about to happen it's about to happen that shit has been in development literally since the musical even happened I know I don't think yeah. it'll ever get made I think it'll get made, but I think it won't be as, I think they missed their window of like peak. They have to figure out how to hype it up more. I read an I don't think it'll be Leah Michelle. Definitely not. If it's it's Ariana Grande though, I've already said on the pod, if it's Ariana Grande, I'm boycotting because- Well, you want Ariana Grande. You want her- I think Ariana would be good as Glinda. Yeah, she's a soprano, but I can't, she is not enough of a, that's unfair to me. You said Ariana Grande and I'm just having like, war flashbacks from her in hairspray and it's <gasps> oh it's penny awful 
Yeah. Oh my God. It was just so bad. You guys watched that, right? Well, you someone from our school it. played, uh, was cast <laughs> oh, as the lead. Oh, in I thought you she meant- She dropped um, out of Marymount to play Tracy. Oh, yes, Sam. Um, the Hairspray Live version. I thought I thought long. that you meant yeah. the John Travolta movie. I was oh, trying no, to remember. Sure. I was like, wasn't she like 10? Um, she was. <laughs> and then I was trying to remember who played Penny and not. It was Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes. Iconic. Yes, yes Amanda Bynes. Mm-hmm. She was great. She's that great. cast yeah. in that movie, not the live. The live was a good cast too, but the movie cast was like, so perfect like i don't know a better cast movie than that movie um i remember when i was a kid me and my friends me and my one friend were obsessed with the song (laughs) mama i'm a big girl now and we would like reenact it for our parents and then when the movie came out i heard that they had cut that song out because it literally adds nothing to the show whatsoever it doesn't and I boycotted the movie. I was like, I will not be watching this. It's in the credits. And they have um, Nikki Blonsky, the original the original Broadway woman, and Ricky Lake from the John Waters movie all sing it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's on the soundtrack, which you would know, know. if you hadn't boycotted. <laughs> uh, so the next episode is theatricality and it's the lady gaga episode it's my favorite episode it's so um, i enjoyed that one this actually. is the episode well, where um kurt's dad defends him from finn's homophobia now and then finn rescues kurt from being beaten up by the jocks in by wearing like, a, a lady latex gaga outfit. superhero what outfit. was he wearing yeah it was a lot it had like shoulder they were shoulder pads it was based off of gaga's alexander mcqueen um yeah that she wore to perform for queen elizabeth it was really extravagant (laughs) i really like i think that Corey monteith is so good in the lady gaga episode i think that sometimes his acting leaves a lot to be desired but he's very good and like very understated he's a calming presence yeah Sure. Um, I think my problem with the episode is like, of course, besides all the homophobia, like I feel like they should have just had a whole Lady Gaga episode. Like I didn't care about the kiss stuff. Um, and if you think about it, there's only one Gaga performance that the Glee Club does. Yeah. Um, and also there's the fact though, like every Adina scene in that episode is gold. It's so like, good. This the is the first... real. We could have just done this episode. This episode is her episode. Like I didn't remember yeah. uh, anything just about that season first one. moment when she's like, she's like trying to help her uh, vocal adrenaline. Like you guys have learn to the know about theatricality. She's like, she's like, you just need that fire in your eyes. Let's help you learn this Lady Gaga choreography by me performing Funny Girl for you all. (laughs) (laughs) And staring into a mirror while I do it. (laughs) She's literally facing away from them into a mirror. And you can't tell how stupid it looks because it's like a close-up of her for most of it. But then they go to a wide shot and like nobody, none of her students are seeing anything that she's doing. And it's so funny. (laughs) But Rachel sees it from the balcony. It's really, it's really... It's really like a manifestation of how Dina Menzel's character on the show doesn't actually give a fuck about teaching. She just wants no, it's, to be a star herself. It's, that scene is so good. It's and just honestly, like the campiest, weirdest shit. 
I feel like everybody shits on the choice of Adina and Rachel singing Poker Face at the end, but it's truly perfect because they just had a whole conversation about how they don't feel like mother and daughter to each other and how they will not be pursuing this relationship. So when Rachel sings one, like, when Rachel asks, can we sing one last song? Obviously, they're going to sing a song that's about, like, nothing. Or yeah. it's about the speaker, a.k.a. Lady Gaga, denying deeper feelings that she has for somebody and putting a quote-unquote poker face on to act cool, which is what Rachel yeah. is doing to her mother. Yeah, I love that song. And I, I love the that Adina's... that a hidden message. No, for sure. I do, yeah. especially the part, I think people just get hung up on the part where the mother character goes, bluffing with my muffin. And it's just a little awkward. But, you know, overall, very, very well acted scene. I love how annoying Leah Michelle is during the song. She's doing all of this, like, like choreography she's like shimmying her shoulders and she (laughs) that is my problem with her is that she cannot not sing at a 10 yeah like there's never um a lower like she's always scrolling she's so (laughs) intense and she's doing like almost like like choreographed laughing during it it's adina's like adina's like that's a great performance for her Adina's and they do sound good together. In a they cool sound good way. together. Yeah, they do. Phoning it in a cool way. Is that what you said? I also, God, I'm obsessed with how much Adina's character fucking hates Rachel within minutes of meeting her. <laughs> like, Rachel really cannot catch a break. She talks to Rachel for five minutes and then stands up and is like, this was supposed to feel good. I have to leave immediately and, like, runs out the you're- door. <laughs> such an annoying piece of shit and then like rachel comes back and she's like mom nadina's like i told you i can't do this it's so yeah i was very confused because i'm like didn't she wasn't the goal to contact her i'm confused yeah and And then she meets her and realizes that she made a mistake (laughs) literally oh it's too good um what Um, is that line that she says in that scene when they're talking and she's like it's like a Fisher King's wound. It never yeah. ends. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I don't even know. And then like that whole thing with Leah Michelle's like, I could never remember. My dads would always get me water when I was scared and sad. So now I don't know if I'm ever sad or thirsty. Yeah. And then later <laughs> on, Will like calls a meeting with Adina to ask her to be nice to Rachel. She, cause I don't know, Will is just like, you know, she's really invested in this. She's really emotional. So please, like, treat her well. And Adina just goes, Rachel's an adult. She doesn't need me anymore. She's Rachel- 15. She's yeah. 15. <laughs> what really, like, gets me, I'm just like, what? how does this make any sense? This is skipping ahead just, like, a tad. But, like, at the end, Diana Aragon's character has her baby, and she adopts the baby, but mm-hmm. like, does she neglect her daughter still? Yeah. Like, you have a whole daughter. Like, I understand that. Well, she wants to start her... over. She's like, I wanted a baby. I, I wanted that. a baby. Yeah, but you still have a daughter that like wants you. So I'm just very, I'm like, yeah. Okay. I so kind of like, feel like it's also, that whole thing is like a weird dig at like, is, is that whole thing kind of a weird dig at like gay parenting? Like, because you know, you don't meet Rachel's so. dads, and then she's like, you know, I, I really regret giving you up for adoption. 
and you know every girl needs a mom and it, i don't know it was a little weird i think that Rachel is just the kind of person who can never get enough attention. And no matter how much right. love her dads give her, like she really wants a third parent. That's true. And that's fair. Yeah. I just and, wish they would have wrote it where it's like Adina's character would at least try to get to know her daughter instead of just writing her off completely and then yeah. adopting a whole other child. Right. Like, I actually, I, well, also, I forget how it, it, so I was just saying, I forget how it develops, but I'm pretty sure, because in season three, Adina comes back for a multi, like an arc, which we're going to cover next week and, uh, or soon. And um, yeah, like, I feel like, I don't, I forget how she and Rachel interact there, but I feel like it's definitely different. I don't remember though. I think she mostly interacts with like everyone else. I also think that this show came before it was kind of acceptable in the public consciousness for a child to have three parents. Like you mm -hmm. either keep the child that you had biologically or you have or you give it away a completely closed adoption and you never see each other again and that's not your child anymore. And I think that the writers maybe or the characters themselves struggled with um, being like well this is my mom but like if I meet her then does that mean that my parents are less of my parents right and I don't think that Ryan Murphy had it in him to have that conversation in like a genuine way no nope. um <laughs> and also part of what I something that I love about Glee that my roommate pointed out to me yesterday is that there's so many episodes where it seems like they're about to tackle a social issue and they kind of do if it's like easy like i feel like the gay stuff is like yeah like don't make fun of gay people sorry there are some episodes where they try to talk about other things and they kind of fall just short of treating it entirely seriously because yeah. the show's comedy roots are so strong that they kind of have to take it back to like a jokey thing at the end. Like right. even with the school shooting episode, it turns out that there was never a student with a gun. It was a girl with Down syndrome set off a gun accidentally. Then in Sue season... had a gun in her desk, right? Well, no, it was she brought oh. in like her parents gun. I watched oh, this the other okay. night. That's right. Remember when <laughs> Brittany's in the bathroom like so yeah. scared yeah so and then yeah. in season five i think that the show was forced to take something actually seriously when cory monteith died right. and they had to write it into the show for and the i think that's time. why it's so like eerie for there not to be another like thing at the end but mm. it's it's it almost makes it weirder to watch earlier seasons because it's like wait why why aren't they just leaning into the drama this episode with Kurt's dad kicking out Finn, I think was like a legit emotional moment. Yeah. Um, that was cool. Um, I guess that's your first time really seeing his dad, who later becomes like such a kind of a staple of like, you know, good parent kind of thing on the show. Yeah. But you're still like a little they, afraid of him. I really like how they wrote it in. Because it didn't feel, when I watched the episode, that's just one of those moments that didn't feel, like, forced in. Exactly. And, like, I feel like I that's something that was supposed to happen. And I'm glad it did happen, you know? Yeah. Um, what's that next episode? So the next episode is the funk one, which I feel like is kind of boring. 
Really? That was that was kind of my favorite episode to watch because I hated it so much. Because that's the one where Will goes on that like extended seduction of Sue Sylvester, where in one scene he he sings Tell Me Something Good to her while giving her like a lap dance almost. And then he like approaches her in her office to give her flowers and invite her out to dinner. And then he stands her up at dinner and then they reconcile. Like it's a very long plot line that the writers had me so choking insane. on my lunch when I was watching it because he <laughs> when he asked her out for for dinner or whatever, like as he's leaving her office, what does he say? He goes, Remember it's Wednesday. It's Hump day. It's the hump day. Disgusting. Like, oh my god. I remember major major cringe moment right there. I remember seeing that moment on the preview when it aired, like next week on Glee, and then it's Will being like, it's hump day. And I remember <laughs> being a teen and being like, I would rather die than watch the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's also the episode where Quinn performs a song with like a bunch of pregnant teens. That was the best part. <laughs> I was. <laughs> that's that what was Lita's the, best. I was watching okay. it with my roommates. And when Quinn was about to start singing, we were all ragging on the show. We were all making fun of it. And then when she started, I was like, well, you guys have to pay attention. This one's actually good. <laughs> what else happens in that episode? I'm trying to remember. I just really, um, that's like, this my is the Terry Pedophile episode. Though. Right. Yeah, it's kind of weird for a penultimate episode. Not, not, not a lot happens that's like setting up anything, but. Yeah, Puck and Finn sing Loser at the Sexual Harassment Factory. Oh, and then Pizza Terry. Things tells Puck, Terry is like scolding because Terry is their new boss. Uh, Terry is like scolding Punk for something and she goes, I thought Jews were supposed to be smart. (laughs) I know. Isn't even a joke. It's just anti-Semitic. Offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Terry! It's so... Terry, how dare you? You're such a non-problematic character. They say a lot of things that should not be said on air like i remember santana saying something to i don't know if this was part of the episodes we watched or if i just continued watching but um it was just this um this character with his camera and he had a big fro and then she called him she called him jew fro and i'm like they have this oh jacob ben israel oh my god that's like his name he's the worst character I'm like, is that allowed? That's not allowed. That's not okay. <laughs> Nothing he does is okay either. He's the one who like tells Rachel to give him her panties and like, and like the second episode. Oh yeah, he's like a sexual harasser, I think. Um, oh, this show. This show. Oh my God, Puck does a song by Marky Mark. Good vibrations, and is I that have by no- Marky Mark. Yeah. Oh Lord. Um, Which is just like one violent youth singing a song about another violent youth. Something powerful. I died a little though when when Corey Monteith before they go on um for their like journey finale says because I love you and like my oh my god I was like why you know whenever you know whenever Finn and Rachel start in the audience it's gonna be a banger oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) she's shouting throughout her entire not oh shouting God. but she's 
she's just so loud mm-hmm. throughout her entire like solo and riffs i'm just like okay, we How about high that? schoolers <laughs> are literally obsessed with coming out of the audience during performances. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I've done I was, it. I've done it. <laughs> I was in, like, a monologue scene showcase club in high school where we would write monologues and short little scenes and do them in shows. And every single fucking show, the club advisor was like, we're going to have somebody start out in the audience, and it's really going to freak everybody out and, like, <laughs> on their shows. <laughs> And then one time, the guy whose monologue it was, the monologue was him, like, holding somebody hostage. So he popped up out of the audience with a fake gun at the beginning of the show and was like, everybody stay still or whatever. And, like, ran up onto the stage and then just launched into a monologue. And the parents were so freaked out because they thought that they were about to die. Imagine in the school's oh mini theater, which smelled like weed all the time. Oh my god! Imagine this wasn't at least that way. this was at Locust Valley. Imagine going oh, out okay. that I'm way like, though in a, in a what theater? at a high school monologue night and you get shot. No. Oh my god! The worst <laughs> possible place to die is that monologue night. But oh, oh boy, what <clears throat> I was about to say is that because Chantel and I we went to high school. We went to Lisa, which was a performing arts high school, uh, in my junior year and your senior year. And then in my senior year, we just got a bunch of like juvenile delinquents that came to Lisa. And by the end of the year, everybody hated Lisa and like everybody hated Abby. And Abby didn't get along with like any of the new students. And I heard about that. It was like a such a very like concerned. (laughs) so I do think that our year together was kind of it it was like an ending for me at the end of your senior year as well little to my knowledge this was the end of uh me well I had a good time at Lisa the The next year but I also had to have a rebellious phase where I like wasn't friends with Abby anymore Mm. I'd be like honestly like I'd be like, you yelled at my friend for showing up to school high, and I thought that that was not cool of you, Abby, and then I would ignore her <laughs> for the next week. Well, we, I actually, like, I I wasn't there, but, like, I can 100%, like, feel that and, like, see that happening, like, after my class left. Like, I was like, I hope, I hope they're okay. You guys, like, like <laughs> <laughs> it was so sad because we were literally, like, like, I only went through my senior year, but, like, within that year, like, we all saw each other and we all spent so much time together very frequently that we just became, like, incredibly close. Like, with all the departments, I feel. So, it's, like, that was such a big year for everybody. And then, like, once 2012 left, I don't know what happened. And I heard a bunch of drama and craziness. And everyone hates Abby. And I'm, like, what's going on? It was so much Impossible. <laughs> I had a I had a great time because I I really enjoyed my senior year at Lisa because I felt like the stakes were so much lower because in my junior year I remember being so intimidated by everybody because everybody was like such good singers and such good dancers and I had tried out for only the acting program and I came in and I was like so afraid to sing and so afraid to dance. And then in senior year, everybody was like, this shit doesn't fucking matter. And like, Joe's going to teach me how to smoke from a bong. And I mm. was like, 
I just became such a nihilist very quickly. <laughs> yeah, the sad thing is that it, it it doesn't matter, but you're you should you should as long as you can, you should pretend that it does. You know, yeah. like <laughs> like I wish I had cared like, a little bit longer in college too. Like, I was like you know, these are the these are the days. Just just hold them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Sam, that was my favorite thing about you being like one of the very few like acting majors like in our class because I know of so many actors and I've seen so many actors that are like they kind of just have to sing and they're forced to do it but like when you got up there and like I just applaud you because like you I remember like you did you did so well and I was like she's so cute and little and she's just oh my god trying her best like I said like I that school affected us in a really good way yeah. so oh you know what gave me the biggest lisa vibes is um the song that new directions perform for will at the end the two oh. sir with love and they're all like sitting on stools <clears throat> and they're like before glee club i was just another football player and i had a stutter and i never kissed a girl and like i was being dishonest about who i was and kurt is like in tears as he's saying yeah it's like Rachel's the end like, of, i uh... got slushied like <laughs> girl you still do Rachel. it's like the end of 13 <laughs> that song in 13 when they're like i got drunk <laughs> i don't know if you guys know wait can we i just have a quick question like what was the thing i just never understood the whole slushy thing i have no they idea just, why they throw them in their face because they're losers so they just have them in the cafeteria? Like, I don't... I guess. Just, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's the Glee aesthetic. It's just... It's really a waste of, like, a $5 drink. Yeah. It is. It's so wasteful. And I'm just, like... I mean, high schoolers are well, nothing now they have to wasteful. go back to hair and makeup. Like, it's yeah. just so much. Genuinely, <laughs> like, Ryan Murphy was like, I hate actors. And he wrote that in. No, and just a scene. <laughs> it's, it's like, Rachel's always getting food on her. And I love it. It's what she they deserves. really they really love food stuff on this show <laughs> food stuff food but it's play. funny because it's like i don't know of any high school ever where that actually goes down repeatedly being slushy yeah like, i wonder never. if it became a thing in oh god uh, imagine <laughs> oh <laughs> so i think we've covered pretty much all the adina episodes do yeah. you have any stray observations? Yeah. Oh, oh, I wait, have one. Did you, going back to the first episode, sorry, but did you guys catch... What song was she singing? Rachel was singing the song in the first episode that we were supposed to watch, and she's in this red... Oh, Gives You pop. Hell. Yes, Gives yeah. You Hell. She's just yelling first at Finn all, for breaking up with her. Yeah, I hated that number. It didn't make any sense. It was so stupid. <laughs> but I love that song. And I was like really upset. But what really sent me was costuming. Again, she's wearing this God knows what. I don't know if it's like the shirts attached to the skirt or what's going on. But then there's like this giant bow. And it's like, it could be placed <laughs> literally anywhere. But they placed it on her crotch. <laughs> really? I forgot that. Oh my yeah. God. Oh, oh my god. During gives you hell. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really funny. And I'm just staring at the giant bow on her on her vagina. I'm like <laughs> this idea. It's a more a metaphor. It's so funny. And um, Rachel <laughs> sings like the entire song and then Will is like Rachel. That was not the theme this week. <laughs> I love and Glee. I though. just focusing on the first part of the word. I just 
I love when they all just like get up and start joining. Cause like in real yeah. life, that's my living hell is like people <laughs> singing in public together. And I talk about this on the, the Enchanted episode, but I just cannot like hotspot the improv game. I just cannot deal with people singing spontaneously but in glee it's yeah. so funny because they always know like the music and the, like they even like lampshade it with brad the piano guy coming in to do poker face yeah she's like he's just always around but that's what i also love with like the pregnant women is like they're pregnant but they're giving like that dance number was <laughs> yeah. also quinn fully nine months pregnant just like literally doing all the choreography at the regionals i'm like girl slow down like stop doing jumping oh my jacks. god that's why her baby comes a month early like right after <laughs> oh and then also her mom like that line when her mom's like, oh, I left no. your father. He's with, he's having an affair with some tattooed freak. <laughs> like, no, and, okay. And Quinn what? just goes, my water just broke. My water just broke. <laughs> um, like the most like calm, like water breaking scene. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I, I, I'm gonna have a baby now. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. <sighs> Oh my god! <laughs> all right, that's, that's all I got <laughs> as far as the the episodes themselves. So here in the Tony Awards, we give three awards to each and everything that we watch. The first of which is best prop. So Chantel, what was your best prop? <clears throat> Ooh, uh, my best prop. I mean, I just said this. I think just because it doesn't make any sense to me. Things that don't make sense are like my favorite things because it's like, why would you think of that? I'm just gonna have to go with the, the slushy. It's like the glee prop of all glee props. Like they're just so attached to, I, that's just the thing, that's the theme. They're attached to slushing people. I get it. Mm-hmm. I just find it funny and I just think it doesn't make much sense. It's not a <laughs> yeah. realistic way of how teenagers get bullied. <laughs> That's no like way. a so, note that I bet the network executives gave to Ryan Murphy. They were like, can you please choose a less intrusive bullying mechanism so that we don't have to redo everybody's <laughs> makeup? And Ryan Murphy was like, no, we have to keep it. I, I was the like genius behind Nip Tuck. We need to make a mess. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like just slush, I feel like they're slushing them like the whole series. It never goes Yeah, wrong. I think it is throughout the whole the whole thing it just never yeah. stops rachel is but fully... they're all different colors and they make it fun there's like blue yeah. there's red well you know it worked for the marketing <laughs> it was good for the posters so yeah. i guess that's why they did oh, it yeah. <clears throat> uh jake what was your best prop mine is gonna be the gold star cup that adina gifts rachel oh my god yours. The ugliest oh, no. fucking cup the in the world. Cup. Because uh, in, the, in the pilot, we learned that Rachel's thing, it's gold stars. And she puts like a gold star next to her name, which is a pretty hilarious bit of like character building, honestly. But like then Adina randomly, she's like, gold stars are my thing. And she gives her this ugly ass like sippy cup with a star on it as a parting gift. <laughs> a drink when she's sad slash thirsty. <laughs> she's After like, drink this when you think about it. how I abandoned you. When you're thirsty for your mom. My best prop was Rachel's slushy stained training bra that she refers to. Training bra. (laughs) Of course. Because all uh, loser girls in TV shows are always wearing training bras. Yes. 
Uh, the next award <clears throat> is best Adina moment. So Chantel, what was yours? I think the best Adina moment is I really like that scene where she's in the car with Jonathan Groff or Jesse's character. And she just, I really believed her when she like, it felt like she wanted to meet her daughter, wanted to meet Rachel. But the way she just like delivers her lines in the most stern yet caring yet emotional way is just like, I just thought it was very original to like Adina's acting ability. And I yes. thought that was really awesome when she just orders him. She's like, make sure she listens to that tape. Yeah. You know, that's my favorite Adina moment. I love that part. And the way it's just like pouring rain while they're in the car, I think it's so dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> very. Uh, Jake, what was your custom <laughs> award? Uh, mine is like, you kind of already mentioned it, but I like uh, just the, Hi, baby. It's your mom. Like on the mixtape. <laughs> I just like died when I heard that. Uh, my best Adina moment was when she agrees to sew Rachel a Lady Gaga costume. Yeah. I thought that that was the fucking least that she could do. Right? She's like, I didn't raise you, but I will sew you a Lady Gaga costume. And honestly, for me, I'm like, oh. Not a bad trade. I was actually here for it. I was like, that's a great costume. She looked good. She, she made looked, that? Looked good. <laughs> uh, All moms can sew, yeah. didn't you know? Wow. No. I, okay. So what was everybody's uh, custom award that can go to anything? Mine is uh, best cameo, best cameo slash uh, self- self uh <laughs> deprecating award i don't know to olivia newton john for playing herself as just a huge bitch which <laughs> i love that was the funniest thing she's like i'm famous and i don't need to be here and you are a nobody i just i love that so good <laughs> um i think i'm just it's a cringe award the cringiest award i'm just gonna give it to Mr. Shu. Yeah. There just there's just never a moment where I'm not like like going like this. Like 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 dude, you're a grown man. It's just so it's just so bad to watch. And then especially when they sing like like pop music, it's just even funnier to me. So yeah. When he does um he's when he does gold digger like the first couple episodes. Ugh. Yeah, there's Pops just so dreams. many moments where, like, it's like I love him as a character, but then when he starts performing, I just get so nervous. <laughs> so, yeah, the cringe reward. I can't find my custom award. Oh, okay. My custom award, uh, going back to an earlier theme of costuming choices. And this actually isn't, okay, it's the worst outfit award and it goes to Will Schuster. And it's not actually that the outfit was bad. It was just that I hate him. When he goes to audition for Les Mis and he sings Dream On and he's wearing like a white t-shirt with his chest hair poking out of the top and then like a gray <laughs> sweater vest that is too Ew. small. I've just really despised that. I got hives. So... I think that uh, we have reached oh, you have the to end ask of me. our podcast. Oh, well, 
fuck. I don't remember what your favorite, what your last favorite thing was. Oh, it was um, probably rent. Okay. Jake, <laughs> your favorite piece of media that we have imbibed for the podcast thus far has been rent. Is Glee season one better than rent? Do you think it was wicked? I think it was. Do you was remember rent. if I liked wicked? Okay. This is not better than rent. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I I think that I would pick this over Rent. Ah, are you kidding me? Just because Sam. I'm less just because I'm less familiar with it. So there's still some surprises <laughs> some left. Easter here. eggs. Okay. I know personally, I think it's a tie. Ooh. <laughs> if I'm gonna be honest. It's it's kind of a tie. Uh-oh. It's kinda hard. I can't pick one. They both make, my, versus make rent. my hair stand a little bit. <laughs> also, with costuming, did anybody notice? I'm going back to the bows again. Rachel's bow is like pronounced, like we saw that. Mm-hmm. But like the costume team, they really love bows. I see yeah. bows everywhere. And I hate bows. They're in the hair, they're on the costume. Yeah, I hate them too. I see the giant red one on her crotch. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I my, do. My mind. It's so. I do love how horrible the costumes are because they are like lower middle class children living in Ohio in 2009, which was a horrible time for fashion, I believe. It was. But some of the outfits that they pick, I'm like, you're really walking a very delicate line between uh, good, bad fashion and bad, bad fashion. And I know that I... I'm not one to talk, but there are times when it's horrible. There's like, (laughs) there's like a hat that Kurt wears in the final episode when they're like saying goodbye to Mr. Shoe. The like green soldier one. It's like if a beret got sad. It's like if a... it's like if a beret was a mozzarella stick. <laughs> I don't know. Kurt's wardrobe is a crime. It's just horrible. And that's just that that's just what that is. And I do not forgive him for the like shitty like he he says that the theme of him and Finn's bedroom is like Moroccan nights or something. Like, Rita Hayworth in Morocco in 1943. He's like it's a delicate mix between the masculine and the feminine. Like it's entirely feminine. It's so it's entirely when the just like hand to the room. Like it was just my mind was just like utter confusion because I couldn't focus in on like the details of of their place. <laughs> They should have just had like a rainbow Chaos. flag be the only thing that he <laughs> added to the room. Oh my god. Okay. We've reached the end of our podcast. Chantel, do you have anything to plug? <laughs> um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on of course. your show. Thank you um, for coming on. Yeah, this is super fun. Yeah, no, I'm just like happy I had a reason to rewatch Glee because I said I would never watch it again. Just <laughs> it's terrible. But now I don't know. I'm probably gonna get off of this um, podcast and watch a few more episodes. Honestly, <laughs> me too. Like sure. I, yeah. I sometimes will ask my roommates to watch Glee with me, and they always tell me no. But then the mm-hmm. other day, I was like, I have to watch Glee for the podcast, and they were like, mm. Oh, fine. Yes. At least it's the first Yeah, I made my, my best friend Zelaney watch um, the first episode with me. And I was like, I'm so sorry for making you do this. 
But it's but we had so a good, good. time. It, and it was it's so important. Good. Yeah. Okay, that's the end of our episode. Hail Payman. Hail Payman. Bye. Bye.